0: Welcome, in, it's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. It's a basketball edition of the BCJ Podcast. We will probably uh, knock out a football episode next week as we get ready for the Military Bowl as the Bearcats take on Virginia Tech, and we also have signing day a week from yesterday on December 19th, so we got a lot to talk about uh, football-wise coming up. We got a lot to talk about today on the basketball front. Before we get to that though, 513shirts.com. You go there, you click on partners. The very first option under partners when you drop that down is Bearcat Journal. Go into the Bearcat wow. Journal tab. Berg's daughter has one on right now. She's got on a red <laughs> she's got on a Red Helms hoodie as we speak. Um you can get the Red Helms gear, you get the Bearcat Journal gear, the hats, the stretch mesh cap is in now. Uh, that's my favorite. I also like the trucker hat with the red and the black. I've got that one as well. We've got T-shirts, hoodies, stickers, beanie caps, baseball hats, trucker hats. You name it, you can get it. Trucker at five hats. Or, truck. Oh, yeah. I got. You haven't seen the red trucker
1: hat? Man, I need to take some time and look at that stuff. I, I haven't even done it. I'll, I'll be honest. You know what, Berg? Just for you and for everybody listening to this podcast,
0: you go to check out at 513shirts.com, you enter 15 off all, that gives you 15% off all orders, or if you order over $100, you put in 20 off 100, the number 20, O-F-F, 100. You get 20% off all orders over $100. If you get your order in by 3 p.m. next Thursday, you're insured delivery by Christmas. So make sure you make that happen. Orders over $55, get you uh, $75, get you uh, free shipping. And you're going to want to get your Bearcat Journal merchandise before Christmas. They've also got a lot of other good, great stuff at 513shirts.com. Uh, my favorite, the uh, the ugly Christmas sweatshirt. Grandma got run over by a stri- by the streetcar.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. It's a good one. Grandma got run over by the streetcar. They got a a really nice Queen City sportswear logo tee. Uh, The 513 logos are sweet. Um, Berg's got a bunch of these. The uh, the Someday instead of Who Day. They've got shirts that say Someday.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Nothing Bengals anywhere in this house.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's making fun of the Bengals. I figured that would be right up your alley.
1: No, it still it's still about the Bengals though, so I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the deal: fifteen off all for fifteen percent off all
0: orders; twenty off one hundred for twenty percent off orders over one hundred dollars. Limited time only. Order by Thursday, December twentieth at three p.m., and they will everything will be delivered by Christmas. All right, Berg, let's get it cracking. We got a lot to talk about. We will start with a victory in the Crosstown shootout. And uh, you were calm, my friend. This is the most calm I've ever seen you on a shootout day.
1: I listened to a lot of Warren G on the way to the game. That regulate? Helped. No, not regulate. Other stuff beyond. This stuff DJ, Dog. This yeah, DJ, this DJ d- is Warren G? This DJ was one of them, yes. Did, uh,
0: are, here's what I got. Are you a, Are you a... A two one three guy. Yeah, well, don't you remember on
1: the way back from that?
0: You know, oh yeah, yeah yeah, talk, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. On the way back from Nashville, we listened. To that it was the same mix. Cause I'm rolling fly. through that. Yeah. Oh, 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 I'm <laughs> exactly. So I had I was in a right state of mind. I was nice and relaxed. I got that the West Coast LBC beats rolling. So I was feeling good. And then I just my I think I said on the last podcast I was like, all right, whatever. I'm tired of making this game bigger than it is. It's just a game. Who cares what happens? Every terrible thing that could happen to Cincinnati has happened in that game already. So, whatever. And a lot of terrible things happened to Xavier in that game this year. They're um, they're not in a good place. No, they didn't. They didn't <laughs> seem like there was um, any kind of. Um, Cohesion, especially on the defensive end, and they just on offense they I don't know what they were doing. I've never seen a Xavier team look like that on offense, at least not in a long time. And it was a lot to do with the game plan and what UC took away, but still, just it looked like they had never played together before.
0: Yeah, they're 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 in a bad place right now. And hey, UC's been in a bad place before when that game is hit, and Xavier's made them pay for it. And it was time this time around. Cincinnati seems to be in a pretty good place as a team right now. Guys are uh, guys are figuring out roles. Guys are are, are stepping up. And I mean, it, it just felt like, especially in that second half, um, really from the point that that they were down 18 to 14. Uh, they got a dunk from Trey Scott on an inbounds play, and then they get a dunk from Keith Williams. And then from there the rest of the way it really felt like they just they just controlled the action completely. And that was a that was a five dunk game, Berg.
1: Yeah. Berg, you, get,
0: you get five dunks. Berg is a happy man.
1: In the crosstown shootout, there's no way that, that UC's ever dunked five times in the crosstown shootout. I I I mean, I don't know. I haven't gone back and looked at every single one. But that was yeah, that was nice for any any dunk fan. But yeah, you said Keith Williams and his first real taste of that game and didn't seem like it was uh too much in that game that bothered him and he's he's from brooklyn so that's probably part of it but he just he took it right to him a couple couple shots earlier that little shot on the block uh off the was it? a little leaner i think he had he had another one off the glass later he had the to, it took one to the hole he had the dunks a step back from Still like 17. Yeah, I'm sure every every Xavier fan is probably like, "Are you kidding me?" When he made that, and he's he's made a couple, but it's probably the shot you'd like him to take if you're on that side of the the fanhood um, or on their staff. I'm sure they some definite eye rolls from Travis Steele and his staff on that shot. But yeah, he was he was a big catalyst early. see, C didn't score that well in the first ten minutes. When, was it 1814 after the third media timeout? There was like eight minutes ago in the half. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then from there, those two dunks and and what it ended up being a, um, a 12-0 run. Bearcats go up by eight, capped off by those two threes by Cumberland, who loves the big games and loved that game. And loves the shootout. Yeah, he he loves any big game really. It seems like. Yeah, but he said
0: 15, yeah. 15 as a freshman, 15 as a sophomore, and then 19 as a senior or a junior. Yeah. Um, he's a big fan of the Crosstown shootout. He, he tends to bring it uh, when Xavier is on the opposite bench. Exactly. Uh, I also – he's all the rage right now. I'm going to give my man Berg here all the credit. There was nobody, and I mean nobody, other than Mick Cronin, on the Justin-Jennifer bandwagon, sooner than Justin Berg. <laughs> and and your guy is leading the nation in assist to turnover ratio by a sizable margin, by over one assist to turnover a game. And yeah. he is he is having a heck of a senior year so far, not just distributing, knocking down big shots. It feels like it's almost mandatory. Uh, the first basket of every game is a Justin Jennifer three. <clears throat> and um, I mean, he he he's he's got it all working right now.
1: Yeah, and if you subscribe to Ken Palm, you can look at the individual offensive ratings for each player, and his is 138.1, and to put that number into context, it is the highest on the team, no one else is over 120, that's in the rotation, and it's 16th in the country, 138.1, Justin, Jennifer, and of course, if you're if you're going to lead the nation and assist a turnover, and you're going to shoot 46% from three, I think that's... It's gonna the, the math crunch those numbers. You're you're gonna be pretty efficient. But I, this is something. I mean, we were we were talking about this a little bit last week, and I was thinking about it too. Is is I wonder how much his being a true point guard and and getting people where they need to be and taking charge and stuff like that. Like because the offense is, I mean, turning out a lot of nice looks, a lot of high percentage stuff. I mean, they yeah. were three for they were three for ten on layups in the Xavier game, and still won by fifteen. But they were getting the layups, and so yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think is his value is other than just taking care of the ball and, and passing to guys that make the shots, and then obviously he's making shots. But I wonder what else there is that he's he's doing that's helping this team be further along than we thought they would be at this point on the offensive side. I think more than anything, it, he's just
0: calming. I, he, they hmm. they just seem to have kind of a a game plan when he's got the ball in his hands. They they don't, uh, the thing I'm really starting to like about this team is this isn't a team that really gets sped up. Um, They don't really seem to panic. They don't, you know, we've seen a couple times where teams have started to make a run at them or, or, you know, we saw it a couple times in the, in the shootout, Xavier would get it back down to six or seven points and then bang, it's right back to 10. Uh, No bigger shot in that game than Trevor Moore hitting a three. Um and that two. was with
1: 2 seconds to go on the shot clock. So that yeah. like that's that illustrates your point how they 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 didn't panic, they just kept working the ball around until they got the right look and it happened to be with you know with the shot clock almost gone, but they used the whole clock and got a nice step in look for Trevor Moore and you I know you talked to him yesterday at media. That's your boy.
0: That is my boy. I love Trevor.
1: <laughs> um but
0: I think Jennifer just he he's steady. I mean, they they, it, it's a great leadership, you know, focal point. And, and I think Trey Scott is very similar. Um, you know, those those two guys really kind of set the tone. I think for this team, because you don't see them get out of character. You don't see them, you know, freaking out. You don't see them panicking. And I think that kind of rubs off on everybody else. I think it's kind of been the, the the the. Calming factor, uh, the calming influence on this team for nine and a half games, um, you know, and 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 it's helped them develop their identity. And I think, you know, it's interesting because Justin's not a real vocal guy, um, but I think they just have kind of that that feeling of when he's in, this offense is going to do what we're supposed to do. We're going to get the ball where it's supposed to go. We're going to get a good look, we're going to get, you know, Justin's going to get us into the right situation. And he's been able to do that, and no no bigger example than going for seven points, nine assists, and one turnover in the Crosstown shootout.
1: Yeah, and I talked to him, I think it was after the fifth game of the, of the win streak, I think they were 5-1 and one at that point, and I asked him, you know, what the difference was the Ohio State game versus the other games, and he just said, it, it's leadership, that they just – the, the older guys on the team, they just decide, they just said, look, that that's not how we're going to play. That's not the smart way. We have to do certain things to win. And and chucking up shots early in the shot clock and letting the defense off the hook is not one of those things. And and so that's that's going to be interesting to see how that translates to Saturday night because there's I'm sure there're going to be times where Mississippi State gets a get some stuff happening and some consecutive buckets and maybe takes a lead or whatever the case is, and they're going to have to with the crowd going crazy, find a way to get a quality shot and knock it in. But yeah, he's, we've talked about this before, how important the point guard position is. And if you look back over some Cincinnati teams in the past 20, 25 years and, and sometimes they just didn't quite have the right guy at the point guard slot. They tried to move people who weren't point guards over to the point, you know, just guys who didn't quite have a feel for the position. But Justin came in and, really took Cronin's words to heart, you know, and just, he said, fine, you don't want me to turn the ball over. Then I'll just have the best assist to turnover ratio in the country. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's going to open up stuff for other people. And it seems like there are certain guys on the team that are just further along offensively than we thought. And maybe it's just because you have a guy who's the floor leader and he's, he's making things, like you said, he's kind of calm being the calming influence and guys can just settle in and And uh, if you're open, shoot it. If it's a good look, and if not, just move it and go set a screen or, you know, go get ready for an offensive rebound.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, we talked about this last episode. Completely different offense. Very much a downhill offense. Um, Not a lot of, you know, guys packing the lane. Not a lot of allowing defenses to just kind of sit back and, and protect the rim and, you know, they're aggressive. And... Some of that, I think, starts with Justin and and the way he's been making plays. Uh, But, man, one of the biggest things to me, and and Mick has talked about this a lot, to go back to Keith, he is just doing damage on the offensive glass. And Mo and I talked about this when I was on with Mo today. Um, He only had four rebounds in that game. It felt like eight. Because it just when he when he goes up and gets one, it like sticks out in your brain.
1: Yeah, like the Be- dunk. Yeah, on the baseline.
0: Yeah, because it's just such a big play almost every time when he goes up and, you know, all of a sudden you see his his everybody else's fingertips at his forearms, and his hand is way above everybody else. Comes down with the ball, and then he's just so quick on that second jump. Um, he's not tentative around the rim. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, they'll pump fake themselves into a block shot or or get themselves shook and have to, to kick it back out. He goes up, gets that thing, and he's looking to get that second jump off almost instantly. And um, that, I think that has changed a lot, honestly, offensively, having that wing that can go in and, and, and snatch rebounds like that. Jake could do it to an extent last year. It feels like Keith is even more aggressive than Jake was in doing that.
1: Yeah, well, I think that that's gonna that's gonna go back to the, the coaching decision to put him in that starting lineup and, and understand his value. Yeah. So you got to give credit to Mick or whichever one of the coaches pitched it to him, but he ultimately had to make the decision. And it's unlocked a lot of stuff. It's it's opened up stuff for people. And then you know, putting Broom on the bench, you get a little firepower off. You know, in the second unit, it wasn't there in the Xavier game. He didn't play a ton of minutes in that game. Justin was playing really well. Yeah, Justin, Justin, Keith,
0: Keith and Jaron were all playing really well. There yeah.
1: wasn't a, a whole
0: lot to spread around.
1: Right, and so he didn't. He never really got going in that game. But he's going to. He they're going to need him definitely on Saturday night because uh, it's going to be hard to score points in that game for both teams. And if you can get a guy that can knife through some stuff and knock a few in, I mean, because. You know anything you can do to shut the crowd up will be huge.
0: Anything going through back through that game that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to uh, to touch on?
1: Mm, I think we got it. It, it. Yeah, fifteen point win. If it was a closer game, there would probably be some more to dissect, coaching decisions, things like that. I guess you know. Well, actually, there is one thing, and okay. it's not UC related, but but um, you know Xavier their, their preparedness for that game was, was um, surprisingly lacking. Like they just didn't seem like they were ready for anything UC did on either side of the ball. And late, late in the game, I mean, you saw the example where they ended up, they went back to man to man and there they had a six ten guy, Ryan Wellage trying to check Darren Cumberland and that did not go well. So, you know, it's the first year of the Travis Steele era. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about the guy. So, just, like, looking forward, I mean, is is it just, it's just an anomaly? It's just a weird team. They have all these grad transfers. They just don't really have any kind of, uh, like, unity on this team. And it's not really an indictment on his coaching? Or maybe he just, he just didn't do a good job in that game? I'm not – you know, what, what was your read on that?
0: Well, I mean, they're six and four. Like, I, I don't I, – here's my thing, Justin. And I, we're not going to talk a lot about Xavier, but – they have a four-star point guard, top 100. They have a four-star combo two-guard, top 50.
1: Scrubs. They have,
0: yeah. They have a four-star combo forward, top 50, Najee Marshall. They have a four-star big man, Tyreek Jones. They got to be better than that, brother. Hmm. Like, they I, – I know – it's a new it's a new system it's a new style they more than anything i think they got away in, in trying to keep up with villanova and the big east they got away with got away from their philosophy of recruiting players with this group that they've got now they've got a group that would be a good McCronin team long athletic supposed to be tough and physical they're not playing that way but supposed to be tough and physical um, and they're playing like an offensive-minded, run up and down the floor, shoot a bunch of threes. They're playing to last year's identity, and they don't have last year's talent. Yeah. And I, I'll just say this. Chris Mack was a really good coach, a really, really good coach. And, and we're seeing that at Louisville as he's, you know, putting a team out on the floor that's playing pretty well, even though they're, they're talent deficient. Um, they're not where they were in the coaching department. Okay, and maybe maybe Steele will get there. That did not look like a team that was that was playing hard for its coach. And, and it, you can take that however you want it. But going back to that Trevor Moore three to take it from seven to ten, the next four minutes they quit, and that's when the lead went from ten to twenty. Yeah. They gave up. I mean that was still a ten point game. Like we've seen UC go through three, four, five minute scoring droughts. Right. If a well coached team continues to fight with that game at ten and they put their head down, they took bad shots, they didn't they gave up easy baskets. Uh Trey Scott, I think at that point he had a little run of like three baskets in a row right around the rim. Yeah. Um, they, they did, they quit playing hard. And to me, you gotta,
1: you gotta put that on the coach, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, that tells you something. It's up for interpretation exactly what it tells you, but regardless the leadership, whether it was from the coach or from the veterans on the team didn't appear to be there. And they just, maybe they just figured, you know what, this is their year. We're just. We just don't have it, but still, even even in that, I just have never seen a Xavier team not keep fighting all the way till the end. So, yeah, that's we don't need to say any more about that. I just, just I thought it was something to bring up because if this Travis Steele fellow is going to be there for a while, then every year UC will play against him. So it's just something to to keep an eye on.
0: Uh, teams take on the identity of their coach. That's all I'll say. Okay. Uh, Mississippi State you got anything in between you got anything before we get into mississippi state anything you want to you want to hit on
1: well i don't think I, I i've done a lot of mississippi state stuff the last few days so it's all flooding into my brain <laughs> so whatever you want to whatever whatever's whatever part of the, the the matchup or player or how they play whatever you want to i'm like you know just like type it into the computer and I'll, I'll spit something out for you i mean they're they're obviously very talented. Uh, especially their starting
0: five. Um, Lamar Peters is good. The Witherspoon brothers are very talented. Um, Eric Holman is a problem at 6'10", that can stretch the defense and might be one of the better – Mick called him the best shooting big man in the country. Um, I I don't know if I'd exactly go that far, but he's in the conversation. Um, they offensively are going to produce very much a challenge for this Cincinnati defense and really maybe the first defense or the first offense since Ohio State that really has a chance to stretch them out uh, from more than one spot, where if a couple of their guys get hot from three, it's going to be interesting to see what Mick does defensively to kind of combat it.
1: Yeah, it's because if you look at their team, they overall they're not that great of a three-point shooting team, and they, they early in the season they definitely weren't. But I know that the coaching staff zeroes in on like the, the previous five games for their opponents, and they just look at those trends. and They're shooting ridiculous percentages from outside, including they made they made I think it was nineteen out of thirty on Saturday against Clemson. So it's it, what do you do? Do you say, well, we, we can't let them get their threes going, but then they ha- their three guards are just, I mean, they're menaces. They're just, they, they attack, they're quick, they're tough. Peters is six foot, he's a lefty. And then Nick Weatherspoon, I mean, you remember, if, if you remember back to the game last year, um, he was a major problem for UC, Nick Weatherspoon. He was a yeah. freshman last year. He had three steals, 12 points. He was getting into the paint. He, I mean, I think he had two steals that he took, like pick six type of things. And he was the most impressive player along with Eric Holman. Because Eric Holman made three threes in the first half. He was three for three. He blocked a shot. Like, I was like. He kind of single. Sitting? He single-handedly yeah. kept him in the game in the first half. Yeah, remember half. we were. I was like, jeez, where did this guy come from? And I was like, wait, he's from Owensboro, Kentucky? Kentucky? Yeah. Like, where? No no shot at this guy? I don't know. But, he's yeah, he's 6'10". Um he I looked on nba and Eric Holman is projected to go 30th, the first the last pick of the first round um, in this upcoming draft. So he's he's got NBA potential and he's like think about it like all the NBA teams are looking everywhere on the planet for guys that can that are tall, that can hit threes and protect the rim and he can do that. He's yeah. averaging over 2 blocks a game. So you're looking at a a a four man that I mean I don't know what you do with him cuz I've seen I've, I've watched a lot of stuff and he's got post moves If he's anywhere in the paint. He's hammering it with two hands hard and yeah, his three point shot, his percentage overall isn't that great, but he's got a sweet stroke. And like you said, you saw it last year. So you go back to Nick Weatherspoon, who's also a projected NBA player. Um, Mick Cronin said yesterday that he thinks that Lamar Peters will play in the NBA.
0: So no, I'm those not are, sure
1: on that one. Well, I know, but Maybe. that's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. I mean, he, He's, a, I mean, he, at times he looks like it, but so those are your, your, three. But then we, you haven't even really talked about Quinn Weatherspoon. Who's like their senior grizzled veteran. And this guy, he's six, four, he's strong. He takes it to the hole and he's not a great three point shooter, but he's not afraid to take a big one and make it. Um, but he's, he's like one of those guys who just does everything. He'll get steals. He'll offensive rebound, whatever, like whatever the team needs. And I feel like he'll probably be the guy they put on, uh, Cumberland in that game. And, and he'll, he'll definitely, he'll definitely, you know, hold his own, I would think. So that's their starting five that they're, they're, their other big, they play two bigs. The other guy, Abdullah uh, do, six eleven sophomore. He's not completely healthy. He's got a little ankle thing. Um, that you'll, you can, that was from my, I, I talked to, uh, Paul Jones. He's the, the Bulldogs 24 seven guy. And, um, I'll have that on my podcast actually probably coming tomorrow. But, um, yeah, talked to him, and he said that he's got some kind of an ankle thing, but he's huge. He's 6'11". So, yeah. And Mick said yesterday he thinks that's probably one of the best starting fives in the SEC, and I I mean, from what, everything I've seen, I agree with that.
0: Yeah. I, they're, I mean, the, the SEC is going to be really tough. Um, you've got Tennessee at the top, Auburn. Uh, Kentucky is struggling now, but the, they're not going to be an easy out. You've got this Mississippi State team. Uh, we've seen, uh, we saw Ole Miss, uh, who had a, s- some guards that could do some damage. Um, I, Ole Miss is picked to finish last though. Just, I I think they're going to yeah. finish above that. Okay. Maybe second to last. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so but, just have, Yeah. I mean, I mean we it, saw in yeah. that
0: tournament, they have some guys that can cause
1: problems. Yeah, they, de- they definitely do. They're, um, they're, yeah, very, very deep league. I mean, it went from it went from like four or five years ago where they were thinking they're only going to get two or three, maybe three teams in the NCAA tournament to like, okay, now almost every team is a threat. So it was like, they, they flipped it around where it's actually a little bit less um, strong of a football league the last few years, it seems like, and it's all shifted to basketball and yeah, like Tennessee is probably the best. But anyway, the Bulldogs are one of the best teams in the league. And, from what I saw, did you did you get a chance to watch any of the, the – uh, when they played Dayton on the road? Uh, I watched some of it. I didn't get to watch the whole game. Okay, well – I didn't think they looked all we that know how impressive tough
0: they play. against Dayton.
1: Yeah, yeah, but see, I, I look at it differently. I look at it like playing at UD Arena, especially if you're a ranked team coming in there, like they get it, they get it rolling in there. And, and they, they were down big in the first half. They came back. Then they got down – they were down by seven with like maybe seven or eight minutes to go. And, um, you know, they just, they just locked it, locked them down on D and they were just taking it to the hole, making some big shots. Like I was pretty impressed with the way that they won that because that's the difference between, uh, to me being a tournament team and not being a tournament team. I think a team that is not good enough to make the tournament would probably have folded in that game and not come away with the win. Cause Dayton was playing about as, as well as they could. I know they're not, this is one of their better teams, but it's just the environment, and so to me, I thought that was like, "Wow, this team is for real." And they have some other wins, St. Mary's and Clemson, neutral floor. So um, they just they to me they they have the look of like yes, and it's Ben Hallen's fourth year, so he's you know his track record says like they are going to get there this year.
0: Well, they also have like seven top seventy guys, right? On 247sports.com as Mick Kernan noted yesterday. <laughs> yeah, he wants a percentage, he said. Yeah. Twenty percent, he said. Twenty percent of all new sales. <laughs> we haven't had any since yesterday, Mick. Your sales your sales abilities aren't uh yeah. aren't, aren't adding up yet. I'll let Didn't you know. Didn't spark anything, any kind yeah. of yeah, wave. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't I mean I I it, this doesn't in any way mean that I don't have respect for Halland and what he's built and the talent he's got in his program. I think this is a game they can win, Justin. Hmm. Yeah. It's not... not not. I don't think it's a game they should win. I don't think it's a game they should be favored in. At the beginning of the year, I had this marked down as a game I didn't think they would win. But the way this team is playing, the way guys are buying into their roles, yes, it's going to be on the road, so that's going to make it tougher. Um... I'm not going to be surprised in any way if Mississippi State figures out a way to get this win, but I'm telling you, man, just looking at the way this team is playing, the way they're coming together, I could see them going on the road, grinding this thing out, and figuring out a way in the last five minutes to to get a victory down there. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. Maybe I'm, might, I'm yeah. Maybe I'm drinking too much of the Kool Aid after beating uh, an average, you know, a not so great Xavier team. But
1: well, yeah, I think I, I I look at it like okay, they you know the Bearcats have won nine in a row, but if you look at the teams they've beaten, it's not really that many teams that play that good of defense. So I, I think the Bulldogs play by far the best defense of anyone that they've played that they're they're going to play since the Ohio State game. Yeah. So so right there, you know, you're going on the road and. You know the the Bearcats have been better than we thought offensively, but they're not like any kind of a juggernaut by any means. And so you are going up against a team who's going to be at home, and they're going to have the crowd behind them, and they're, you know, Ben Howland can coach some defense. So absolutely. So that, so you know, you look at it like well how how is UC going to get enough points to win this? Because it's I think it's I mean it's definitely going to take sixty five. I don't I don't know I don't I don't see how they're going to win this game without getting to sixty five. Seems to be kind of like that magic number, especially against a, a legit team. Like, I don't, I just don't see them saying, "Oh, we're going to hold Mississippi State to like fifty-two or whatever." I just, they have yeah, too many I'm guys. Yeah, i not that. Yeah, they have too many guys, it, and, and so the, I, a lot is going to have to happen in favor of UC. You know, all the usual categories, plus you're going to have to probably get an off-shooting night from Mississippi State because which
0: Berg, it can happen. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't hate the fact that they went nineteen to thirty in their last game, yeah. and it was a, they got a week off, so they're not everyone's coming right off them. of that. Yeah,
1: everyone's telling them they're feeling good. Yeah, they they may take some shots they shouldn't. However, their big guys are all elite offensive rebounders. They're two starters and they're two freshmen off the bench. Um, all all have numbers by their offensive rebound rate and on oh, yeah. Ken Palm. So. Uh, the, so the defensive possession is going to be, we probably want them to take a tough three, and then we want to get a body on somebody is what McCronin is telling his, his his troops. But that's no different than any game. I mean, they just they just came off a couple of games where NKU they needed to take the three away, and Xavier game they needed to take the offensive rebound away. They were able to. Well, I, just, but- I don't know. I feel like Mississippi State is by far and away better than. NKU or Xavier so
0: well here's the thing they took the three away against NKU by playing man they took the the rebounding away from Xavier by playing that matchup zone can they do both things with one defense and we'll see
1: yeah I wouldn't put anything past any Cincinnati team as far as defensive rebounding right you know goals that you're setting for them would be but but yeah it's the, I, I think, I mean, it, the matchup, it, I don't know, it, it's it's fairly even across the board. And, and if you add everything up, but then you, if you add in the fact that it's there, it's in Starkville, uh, they'll have the revenge on their mind type of thing. And uh, yeah I asked Kane yesterday, he said, he thinks that's a little bit of a factor. It, you know, it matters some. And in a game this tight, like if they, if, if they get a couple extra loose balls, cause they're, you know, fired up to try to. Pay you see back then that could be I mean just those little things could could make the difference but I don't know I, I I on your on your side though I mean I I could see Cincinnati winning this game too I we've seen we've seen them win on the road in the last however many years like a lot of games where you're like wow I didn't I didn't know if I thought they were going to be able to do that and especially going back to the Big East certain games that they were able to to pull out and it's going to be a grinding thing now one thing. That would be, um, if you're if you're glass half full on your side of this, that, that you would like would be Mississippi State plays with some pace on offense, little tempo. They uh, not not one of the fastest teams in the country, but they do like to get the ball to their guards and get up the floor and try to you know not let the defense get set. So if if UC can do what they usually do and not let teams get any kind of rhythm and flow, you know then and make it one of those ugly um, possession to possession deals, and and Mississippi State's taking a lot of like, you know, shots that they don't want to take, and UC's there, ready to get the off, get the rebound, and all that stuff. Like, that's probably where it's gonna um, even out. Is just not letting them, because their guards are, they're all, they're all tough, they're all ridiculously quick, and just good player, just good to great players, and so. Um, you know, from from what I've heard and, and read and watched, like their guards kind of are the like the identity of the team. And if they're able to get some some flow and they're they you know, some pace, then they're going to be really hard to stop. But if if UC can do what they normally do and not let them do that, then that's that can keep them in the game. To that point, I thought UC made them very uncomfortable last year. With yeah, that
0: I, they did not ever look like they really found a flow. Um, especially from, I mean, even you mentioned Nick Weatherspoon played well. He, he had what? 15, 12, 12. He didn't really get going like, I don't know. How about this? Do you remember how the 2001, 2002 season started?
1: Started. Was that a loss at Oklahoma state? Yes. Do you know what happened after that? 20 in a row. Until they lost
0: at Marquette. Do you know what the 11th game of that season was?
1: Ooh, you got me.
0: We're, we're at game 11 now, right? The yeah. Bearcat, the Bearcats are 9-1? Yep. They lost the first game, as you said, Oklahoma State. They went 9 straight. In that 11th game, they beat a top 30 Ken
1: Palm Mississippi State team to move to 10-1. and one. Hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Did you know that Steve Logan had 31 points in that Oklahoma State loss, and he was just like posting up at the foul line and hitting like <laughs> fadeaways, and just like that—that that was the whole offense. Was just like give it to Logan, and everyone else <laughs> just stand there, and he will make a basket.
0: Now, I don't <laughs> think they're going to beat this Mississippi State team by 34 like the 0102 team did on that day. Do you not remember that game? Have you, wow. have, you have you spaced that, on O one O two? That was at home,
1: right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Beat them by thirty four.
1: Man. Wow. That game. That game is like not in my consciousness for some reason. Because I remember a lot of, quite a bit about that season. Now we know how it ended. Yeah. it's stupid UCLA. But um. Wow. Huh. Thirty four. Jeez. How many did did Jamal Davis have in that game? I I don't have the box score up in front of me, but. I loved Jamal Davis. But, yeah, it could be some symmetry there. I don't know. Road game, but, hey, look, if they get it into their type of of pace, UC's type of pace, then, yeah, they could find a way. They're going to need all hands on deck. You're not gonna you know, you can't have Cumberland or Broom scoring three points and thinking you're gonna go down there and win. I mean you're not gonna get you're gonna need anyone who can do something to do that. Right. I I don't know, man. For some reason I
0: feel good about it. I don't know why. Usually usually road games I I, I have a bad feeling, especially road games against, you know, a team that's got the balance that Mississippi State does. Uh, offensively and defensively, I just don't know how much they've been tested yet this year.
1: Yeah. Um, I. Well, Clemson I, didn't have their leading scorer in that game on Saturday. Yeah,
0: and and Clemson played horribly. Now Mississippi State played really well.
1: They but, made everything.
0: Yeah. Um. And I, that Dayton team's not all that good.
1: I know. You're right. You're right. I I guess I, I'm maybe I'm I'm reading too much into the fact that they won at UD Arena when they were trailing. And but yeah, the Dayton team is. They're not, they're not a tournament team. Right. That's for sure. And so the only other thing that they've done is beat St. Mary's on a neutral floor. They, um, the Arizona state game was in Vegas. This was their only loss. And from what it seems like happened was it, it was a weird travel situation where it took them a lot longer to get there. And they just were a little discombobulated and Arizona state jumped on them and was up by I think 16 or 18 at half. I mean, it was a big lead and, and Mississippi State came all the way back and tied it, but they ended up losing. So, you're right. I mean, they haven't really done anything that's like, whoa, this team's incredible. And, again, with Clemson, the Clemson game, number one, they made every shot. Number two, Clemson's leading scorer was not able to play. And number three, Clemson hurt them in the paint. I mean, they, they, got, they got some big boys on Clemson, and they, yeah. they were getting the ball in the paint, finishing strong. And that's actually – you know, I'll just, I'll, you know, this is something that the that Jones told me, the guy who covers the team, and I probably should save it for my my show, but that's okay. Hey, this, is, know, a does, yeah, this is the big show. Doesn't matter. does Yeah, big show. Yeah, yeah. So he he said, I said, I said, okay, what do you, what do you think Howland and his staff are most concerned with when they're looking at a matchup against UC? And he said, he said the physical play. He said this this Mississippi State team just has not had a lot of luck against teams that play physical. He said a good example, a kind of a comparison would be Tennessee um, and the SEC that uh, they just – they just they get just beat up and battered and they don't really have an answer in last year, like especially with the physical play in the post. So I think rebounding will be a huge deal, of course, because they're such a good offensive rebounding team And you, you know, on the road. I mean, that's – it's like fatal to give up second, sh- second shots. But if, if you see, you know, they have some players who are physical, Nasir Brooks and Trayvon can, and if you put so Sosemi in there, they're not going to want to deal with his elbows and knees and splint on his finger and all that stuff. So I mean, there's, <laughs> there's some, you know, that, that's, that's what the, the concern would be on their side is that they just, sometimes they don't, they're not quite the toughest team ever. And um, if it ends up being one of those deals where, like, you see just is bringing the fight to them and maybe they're kind of like, I don't know if I want this. Maybe I'll just shoot some threes and stuff. And maybe I won't battle as hard on the boards because it's just not how we play. I don't know. It's just something something to throw out there. No, I, that's where I'm coming from.
0: That's, that's what I saw last year. Now, and Berg, remember, this tip-off is at 8.30. On a Saturday night. Wednesday night, we get a nine o'clock tip off against UCLA. You're probably going to need some help staying up. <laughs> and if you need some help staying up, what better way than Trace Pound Test Coffee? They sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. I did. That was a good one, wasn't it? Our coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans they ship has the roast date clearly printed on it so you know your coffee is. Absolutely fresh. Freshly roasted coffee takes the be- tastes the best. There's a huge difference between drinking coffee that has been freshly roasted versus even just a few weeks old. All the coffee you find in the grocery and even gourmet food stores has been sitting there for weeks. Trace Pountas offers a unique opportunity to drink coffee immediately after it has been roasted and shipped directly to your home. How do you get it, you ask? That's easy. www.tracepantas.com coffee. T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh and shipped out immediately. They offer 12-ounce bags in both whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. They also now have K-Cups available. All orders enjoy free shipping in the USA. And if you enter the code BEARCATS at checkout when buying a coffee subscription, you will get 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription with this code. So just enter Bearcats at checkout. Free shipping, twenty percent off. Some Trace Pound Task Coffee to keep you awake for an eight thirty tip off on a Saturday night against Mississippi State. And a nine o'clock tip off on Wednesday against the UCLA Bruins. Um have you ever been to Mississippi, Chad? Uh I've been through Mississippi. I don't know that I've ever really stopped and like gotten out of my car in Mississippi for any, any particular reason.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, I have been there. What do you think? Um, well, here's, here's the reason I was there. This was, um, back in 2012 when I quit my sales job and I was like, I'm going to be a writer and started giving myself assignments. And I went, I was like, I've always wanted to go to the deep South and I want to see how it's changed over the last like 50 years and see, is there anything that, is still, you know, a miss as far as like, you know, racial divide and things like that. So I, I was going to Nashville anyway, so I extended my trip, went to Birmingham, Alabama. And then, um, one day by myself, I drove to Philadelphia, Mississippi, which if you know your history, it's where the three civil rights workers were killed. Um, the movie Mississippi burning is about that, that and the investigation afterwards, And so I went to the site, I was there and it was, you know, I actually also went to to Tuscaloosa and I was just kind of like feeling around and seeing, and and there's still some stuff. There's still some, some lingering, um, you can just kind of hear it in the way people talk. And I was talking to some locals and stuff. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, you know, Cincinnati is traveling to Mississippi to play a game on Saturday night. And, if you think back in the past, you you look at like when Oscar Robertson was at UC and the trouble that, that he and some of the other African-American players on the team had when they went into the South and, and, you know, you look at this team and it's, you know, there's, there's African-Americans on this team and there, it's just, it's not even an issue now, um, 50 something years later, but there's still, there's still some ways to go in that, in that regard, but I don't know. It's just, I guess it's, at least there's some progress, the fact that, like, it's not even mentioned that, like, hey, they're going to Mississippi, and it's just no big deal. So right. there's no real point to what I'm saying, just other than just something to think about. <laughs> just to think about, like, I just wanted to bring it up to the fact that, like, it wasn't, it's not on anyone's radar, but it's, like, there's still a thing. It's just It's just been a lot of years, and it's not <laughs> anything that anyone really thinks about or talks about now, but it's, like, you know, 50 years is not that long and you know even into like the 70s 80s you know and there's always stuff that happens and it's always going to happen but i just i don't know i was just thinking about that earlier today when i was outside working in this nice spring-like day we had and uh just like oh mississippi and the time that i was there because when i was there um you know it was like a i don't know you get like chills driving through some of these roads these like back roads and stuff just trying to like you know not think about like what could have happened and things like that so just, you know, wanted to get real for a second. I know we always have a lot of fun on this show, but just something to um you know, maybe maybe think about and just kind of uh, have some some gratitude that it's like, you know, they're just going to go down there and play a basketball game and come back and it sh- you know, shouldn't be any kind of a big deal.
0: Um do you want to you want to pop back on for another one of these Monday or Tuesday next week?
1: But before the UCLA game?
0: We, I, yeah, I think we, we could we could probably squeeze out a show and reaction from Mississippi State. And then uh, I, I don't want to hit on UCLA today. Right. Uh, one, I don't know how ready you are for that. And two, um, and it's, you know, six days away. Um, I think maybe what we'll do is uh, we're playing on a football podcast on Thursday um, because of the UCLA. We were going to do one on Wednesday on signing day. Uh, we'll probably hold off until Thursday because of the UCLA game. Um,
1: Why don't we do it? Well, let's let's feel it out. Let's see how the the game, the game goes. goes Saturday night. Because if it's if it's something that you know is, you want to talk about it afterwards, and maybe we decide on Sunday we want to just grab an hour and and get it out so we can have it for Monday morning you know, however you want to do it. I just, I'll, I haven't taken a huge look at, I mean, I've, I've watched UCLA. I've, I've watched them extensively this year. So I, and we saw them last year, they have some new players, but they have also some, some guys that, that were on last year's team. So, I mean, I could, you know, I could talk about them for a second if, if you need me to, but I haven't like, uh, I think, I think, two next, week. Yeah, I think yeah. two next I mean, week works. That's fine. Yeah. However you want to do it. I, I, the only thing really is like the storyline is um, for me is like Steve Alford. Is he, You know how much on the hot seat to see because how much talent does this guy want to have? And like these his teams just like underachieved. They don't play hard. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. You watch him play. You're like these guys even care. Right. I don't know. But maybe it's just not a good match like him in LA and with this whole deal. Like he can't get. I don't know. But he's either either he's. You know, like the recruiting situation there, it's like, is he getting some help? And then he's they're just like funneling guys to him because it doesn't seem like they're really the type of guys that he used to coach and his other stops. Um, and the way that he used to win like at New Mexico and even at Iowa and Southwest Missouri state. So, um, we can get into that on the next one, but yeah, it's just, it's just like, sometimes it's just like, I don't get it. I don't understand like what's going on there. Cause I mean, you look at the, the rankings of their recruits and you're like, geez, man, like, can can you see have some of those guys? Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll yeah. we'll
0: definitely we'll get into that next week. Um, big week next week, like we said, uh, the UCLA game signing day. Um, we'll get a lot of uh, Virginia Tech stuff in um, next week. Probably a, a fairly quiet week, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, the, the football yeah. team will, will already be. Um, in, I think they leave the twenty sixth for Washington DC, uh, so there won't be any practice coverage. There's no basketball games.
1: Yeah, um, and Christmas. I know um, for the non-Jews is the is the the greatest holiday. Everyone loves that holiday, right? But for me as a Jew, it is it is my favorite holiday. You know why? Because I have no obligations. And there's <laughs> five straight NBA games on, so I plan to not do anything. My, 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 um, my wife, her, her family there. And some of their friends are like, you know, they want us to go out for like Chinese food, like typical Jewish thing or whatever. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going anywhere. You guys can go (laughs) bring me back. Yeah. yeah, Bring bring me back back some some food. food. I've got the NBA to watch. I've got, uh, the Greek freak at noon in Madison square garden. And then it takes off from there. So I don't want anyone to bother me that day. I got a lot of work to do between now and that day, but on that day, yeah. I'm I'm very I'm really excited for that. But yeah, I think the Bearcats have a is it South Carolina state on the 22nd and yeah, then 22nd. the basketball yeah, and then nothing until Tulane on the 2nd of January. So Third. Little, little Is it the 3rd? I thought it was the 2nd. Mm, one of the two. Yeah, it's not the 1st, but it's Right. I'll be driving. I'll be yeah.
0: I'll be driving back from Annapolis, Maryland on the 1st. Yeah, oh, maybe it is the 2nd. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go. All
1: right, Me, yeah,
0: that would be cool. I uh, I I I mentioned it and as soon as I mentioned it, the little one was like, I'm going to Washington, D.C. Nice.
1: And
0: I was like, oh, are you? She's like, yeah, I don't <laughs> have school. And if you're going to go, I'm going to go. That's cool. So make a little family trip out of it. I think we're, we're going to get in Saturday. Uh, maybe do uh, my wife's uh, my wife's a big uh, crab cake fan and she's never been to Baltimore. And Baltimore is like the, the, the
1: king of crab cakes. Wait, were you is, were you asking Justin Jennifer? I saw you talking to him yesterday. Were you asking him for spots to? to no, to? I was. Okay. I,
0: I was talking to him about something I'm going to do with him. Uh, a little okay. story uh, for for later on in the year. Uh, okay. I was going to do it yesterday, and then it became quite obvious in the uh, media session that everybody was was going to be uh, looking to do something on Justin Jennifer.
1: So yeah, because I I was going to, and <laughs> I, I opened up the floodgates. Like Mick was like, finally somebody asked me about him. Now I can. Say what I've been wanting to say. Yeah, he's right. He's right. He, everything said, you know. He's, you know. Hey, he, he, afterwards he, he said, wasn't hey, talking you, to you. No, I know. He said, <laughs> I said, hey, I said, you know, I set you up for that one, and he said, I know you, that. He said you threw me a nice lob on that one. I said, yeah. I mean, I wanted, I wanted to get some stuff from him about him anyway, because like we, you know, we talked about it um, at the, during the Xavier game, and then um, I just wanted to put something in um, in my show this week. So I got he definitely got some stuff for me on that but yeah so that was you know sometimes i know he's not he's not directing it at me um not this time it's not definitely this time. not this time yeah. there's
0: there's been no bigger justin jennifer proponent than justin berg and now yeah. he's he's living up to the hype that's
1: which my is, guy like, yeah he's, he's, just... he's yeah he's gracious with the interviews he's always positive you know plays hard all that stuff yeah definitely just a bear he's a bearcat right I Yeah. Mean that's, he's what a bearcat is and I think that's what Mick was trying to say, and so he will have his work cut out for him against uh, Peters and Nick Weatherspoon and all those boys on Saturday night.
0: Yep, that's. I think that's all I got. Uh, you don't? Are you going to do a prediction? You don't? Why don't we? We work in the media business, Berg. I need <laughs> predictions from you.
1: Um, yeah, I was thinking about it today. I figured you would ask me, and unfortunately, I just. I feel like there's too many things that need to happen for UC to win this one. So I feel like they're just gonna they're gonna they're gonna come up short on Saturday night. And I hate to say that, and I do feel like they there is there is a way that they could win, but I feel like that way, it's a lot of like A B C D E and F that need to happen. It's just a lot of things.
0: 64-61 Bearcats.
1: Okay. If, hey, I'll tell you this. How about this? If if UC does win the game, why don't we record something afterwards? Or first thing Sunday, or whatever the case One is. One of the two. I mean,
0: yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably be a couple pops in by what?
1: 10 45, yeah, 11.
0: Yeah. After the post game, listen to the coach. it be 11 o'clock on Saturday. I'll have a couple pops in me, but I, I mean, you know,
1: it's a possibility. Well, that's how it goes. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes that's part of it. I mean, you've heard <laughs> podcasts around, you know, that, that people have, have some, you know, a couple drinks or whatever else. There's, how about Snoop's podcast? You know what's going on he's, on that. Yeah,
0: he's probably definitely sober.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, there's no there's no rule against it. Do you, I mean, if, do you listen to Rogan at all? Um, I, every now and again, he's not one of my go tos.
0: He, uh, the only reason uh, Bert Kirshner, I'm a big fan of Bert Kirschner. You know who that is no, uh, you don't know who. Oh man, he is.
1: Have you ever heard the Machine stand up bit? Wow, he's I, I mean, I know a lot of stand up comedy. I don't know how I, for whatever okay. reason he has not he's not entered my consciousness yet. After we get off this podcast, go to go to
0: YouTube and just search the machine and it'll come up and you can listen to it. Okay. And it's like fifteen about thirteen minutes. It's one of the funniest stand up segments in the history of stand up comedy. He is um he's Van Wilder was written about him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he spent like seven years at Florida State, and um, like on it was like the sixth or seventh year, uh, one of the magazines, Playboy or Rolling Stone or whatever, was gonna name Florida State like the biggest party school in the country. So they sent a writer down there and started asking around, like, who's the biggest partyer here? And they all pointed to him, and so they did like this long feature on him. And then I think it was Spielberg or one of those guys, like, literally came in, read the story, and bought the rights to his life. Wow. And then that's how Van Wilder developed. But they do – Rogan – They him and uh, – do you know Tom Segura? Oh, yeah. Definitely Tom uh, okay. Segura. Tom Segura and Bert Kirshner are, like, best friends. Okay. So they do this – the, the, the uh, no alcohol in October. Sober October. And then on October first they recorded a podcast, which is all of them for like three and a half hours getting wasted. <laughs> and it's a riot. Okay. Absolute
1: riot. So that, that made you think of that. Okay, that's fine. It, it, w- it wouldn't, be that, the... it wouldn't okay. be that level.
0: It wouldn't be that level. No.
1: You got yeah, you got
0: kids and you can't be No. Well she this probably is... she probably won't be here. It's a Saturday. She's usually gone. Okay. But no? Yeah, I won't be. I won't be crazy. It'll be no, no different yeah. than that. No different than me and Dave when we did the UCLA podcast at midnight on a Saturday after the Bearcats beat the Bruins in uh, the Rose Bowl to start the season, and Dave <laughs> dropped an f bomb and got yelled at by Dan Horde. Oh, yeah. Dan Dan listened to the podcast with Sam in the car.
1: Oh, oh. That, by the way, let's fin- You know what we finished last podcast with about my, you know, using the medical term. I asked horde about that yesterday yeah. he said that at Syracuse no in the four years he was there they did not spend any time on what you're supposed to how you're supposed to describe a nut shot <laughs> but he said he said he may at some point use the term testicles just to show me that he can do it but <laughs> he just said he never thought of it and so uh I would I didn't I should have taped him give me that answer because it was funny but I just didn't think of it till later but I did ask him and he did he said yeah you know I just I didn't really spend any time on that, but I, I suppose I su- he's like, I suppose you could <laughs> page page one Oh four in uh,
0: broadcasting uh, terminology when somebody gets hit in the nuts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good stopping point. Hey, two podcasts in a row. We ended up with in that in that uh, medical you term. It, you brought it full circle, Berg. Yeah, it's like curb your enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next
0: week. Sounds like we'll have two next week. One basketball, uh, recapping Mississippi State, looking ahead to UCLA, and then one football uh, Thursday at some point, talking signing day, and uh, getting ready for the Bearcats and the Hokies in Annapolis on New Year's Eve. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.